0: Opinions expressed on ACB media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. It's almost time for the 61st ACB Annual Convention, and convention time also means ACB auction time. This year's auction will be held on Saturday, June 18th, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time. It's your chance to bid on crafts, jewelry, technology, and those ever-popular food items, including some delicious baked goods. Participation is easy. If you're registered for the convention, you're automatically registered to bid. You can join in on Zoom or tune in to ACB Media yet to catch all the action. If you want to get in on some early deals, the ACB Appetizer Auction is for you. It'll take place June 16th and 17th with lots of great items up for bid throughout both days. All proceeds will benefit ACB membership and the ACB community. Watch your email for more auction details or contact Leslie Spoon if you have any questions. Her email address is lesliespoon.com at cfl.rr.com. That's Leslie Spoon at cfl.rr.com. Let's have some fun while raising money to support ACB. See you at the auction June 18th, beginning at 6 p.m. Central Time.
1: Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McKellen. According to Mobile Syrup and Adaptivision, blind 40-year-old Jacqueline Pope of Toronto, Ontario, wants to create more accessible mobile apps for the blind and visually impaired. How is she going to do it? Jacqueline's here to speak out and talk about that mission. Hi, Jacqueline. Hi, everyone. How are you? Glad you're here today. So, tell us about Tell us a little bit about yourself first, Jacqueline. Uh, wow.
2: I wouldn't even know where to start. Um, I am legally blind, according to, you know, everyone, uh, the government. And I really didn't anticipate this happening to me. I kind of just kind of it happened to me and I had to either sink or swim and figure things out pretty quickly. Um I'm a mom, I'm a student, I have had multiple careers, and now I'm just looking to figure things out for myself now that my boys are growing up and they're off to college.
1: That's marvelous. But you're going for a second career in your life. What's that career?
2: I am hoping to go as a full-stack developer. And that just means that I'm looking to learn how what front-end, back-end, and data development is. But on the flip side, I also want to add in UX, UI design, which means I want to incorporate user experience, which means I want to listen to our community's feedback, and I want to incorporate how we use These the software and the apps, and bring our insights to the developers. And if they don't want to listen, then I'm going to learn how to make these things and make them for our community.
1: Um, I've heard some stories where the the developers won't actually listen. Tell us a little, just a few of those stories.
2: Right now, uh, going back and forth to school, accessibility isn't really taught. And the main thing is accessibility is taught within the HTML. Think of that as the blueprint or the recipe. Uh, It's the the structure of the house. And that's where all our uh, software for accessibility, that's where all our coding is. And if developers aren't being taught how to even use tab navigation or what does a screen reader sound like, how can they even create these things for us? So in amongst going back and forth to different schools, um, right now I'm working with Juno, I'm working with Lighthouse Labs, um, and I'm, we're trying to create an education program where not only do my classmates get to understand how important these things are, if, um, if they get to learn what these things are like, then they can go ahead and they can program them, and then future generations will also learn what accessibility means.
1: Um, I understand that you previously went to college to study electric and environmental engineering. Did these school plans fall apart because of your vision loss?
2: They did. Um, I grew up in Ontario and Newfoundland. I spent my summers in Newfoundland running around in the forest and on ATVs, and um, I had a lot of fun. And I wanted to learn how to protect... What I loved the most, which was uh, the forest, and I don't mean like a tree hugger. I just mean um, not having toxic spills and having companies respect, you know, the the land and learning the balance between uh, society and environmental stuff. Um, What happened was I was starting to trip on things and I was hurting my ankle, twisting it. I wasn't able to see the analytical devices in the field properly. I was writing down wrong information. Um, My marks were starting to slide in school and I knew something was wrong. Um, and, And that's when I started hunting around. And actually that was started around 2015, 2016.
1: You gradually lost your sight from 2019 to just recently in 2022. You were diagnosed as legally blind, as you mentioned. You have had cataracts, glaucoma. I have both of those, too. Diabetic retinopathy and macular degeneration. Jacqueline, when you started losing your vision, you were very lost. Why?
2: Uh... Because all those terms are very scary, especially when you throw in the wet kind from macular degeneration. Um, if you think of somebody who's had a heart attack in the hospital, when they leave, they have a nice big package from the Heart and Stroke Foundation and they have the foundation following them. I didn't even have my doctor tell me I was legally blind after a field test and a couple other things. Um, it was really my nonstop insistence on calling uh, the Kane National Institute for the Blind and Vision Loss Rehab. Um, When they finally read the reports, they said to me, you are legally blind. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, And that's when, you know, I started getting the services and I started getting the help that I needed. So what really disappoints me the most is One, why didn't my doctor have the guts to look me in the face and just say, you are legally blind? But two, how many other people out there don't know, one, that this is happening to them? And two, don't have a clue where to turn.
1: Why do your eye conditions prevent you from properly treating your diabetes? I mean, you're even using blood pressure and glucose monitors that don't even talk to you.
2: Well, if you think about it, um, some of the pens that I take, they only go up to a certain amount of units. And I take more than that one pen load takes. So I have to inject it. And then if you pull it out, I'm looking at the cost of having to add a new needle. To be cost effective, I try to keep the needle in me. And I try to see the, the dial and I try to increase the amount, which really honestly doesn't work so honestly i just pull it out and i absorb the cost that it's going to cost me for that needle tip the other problems i run into are the actual meters themselves you know if you can go to the dollar store and pick up a toy that has a responsive screen on it why can't we have diabetic meters that have responsive screens uh where we can zoom in zoom out and make them bigger and brighter um And I'm also looking at the size and why they don't talk to us like our cell phones do. Why can't this information just go to our cell phones? There's all kinds of different questions. Um, And I'm also looking at, I I don't have a pump, but I do have a continuous glucose monitor machine, which my NDO thought would be a great idea instead of me trying to poke my finger every day when I can't see my finger to really do it all that well. The problem is the app that is on the phone, apps do not have any regulatory um, government guidelines whatsoever. The guidelines that are out through WebCAG, they go for all the um, uh, websites that are out there, but they don't actually relay to any of the, the mobile apps that are out there. So when you go and you start talking to various... Um, Companies and stuff, which I have done. Generally, the information I get back is it's not financially feasible.
1: That's too bad. Um, well, let's talk about um, the education that you're pursuing right now. You're, as you mentioned, you're enrolled in Canada's Juno College of Technology, along with Lighthouse Labs, both institutions there in Canada. Um, tell us a little bit more about Juno College. And what you're learning in its web development part-time flex program, you mentioned a lot about front-end, back-end web development. Tell us more in user-friendly terms.
2: So the big difference between the two schools, if you look at Juno, Juno primarily focuses on front-end, which is what our community is using. It's what we see when we go to a website. And that's where the HTML lies. And that's where I really wanna focus. It's like learning ABCs and one, two, threes. And what I'm learning over at Lighthouse Labs is the Java, it's the backend, it's the data component, the cybersecurity, it's all the other little things that you get to dip your toes into. So I may not be as strong in those languages, but I'm aware that they're there and I'm learning how they combine and they work with our accessible technology which is still very important because you can't forget anything you have to, if you're going to accept these answers from these companies that say we can't do it, I can't personally take that answer. It just bugs me because I know it's really not that hard to increase a font size so that we can see something within an app.
1: Yeah. That's, it's not that hard at all. Um, so front end, Deals with JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. CSS is cascading style sheets. There's also this web development bootcamp that's associated with this particular program. Who's looking into funding that bootcamp for you?
2: so right now um ccrw which is the canadian council of rehabilitation and work uh they're looking into or they will be funding the program for lighthouse labs it's a 32-week flex program which is their normal boot camp but after working with them and trying to getting them to understand that the cognitive load of staring at a screen Uh, for eight to 10 hours a day, it's just not something that I can do Um, in listening to screen readers. And the amount of headaches is just tremendous. Um, So after speaking with them, they've gone back and they've actually designed this wonderful program. And they've geared it to people who have busy lives. And, you know, maybe you just can't sit there for that amount of time like I can't. Um so you can still have the same type of learning experience, but it's going to be broken down. It's going to take a little bit longer, which I kind of like because then you can spend more time absorbing the information.
1: So the Canadian Council of Rehabilitation work is supporting you through all this. And I understand you they're your vocational rehab agency, correct?
2: That is correct, yes. All
1: right. And That's,
2: I go, go ended ahead. up Sorry, I ended up going to them because I was looking through funding, trying to get these programs paid for. Um, I have won awards with uh, CNIB scholarships and eSight and um, trying to find funding to go back to school when you are disabled is extremely difficult. I'll say that. To the least, right now during COVID, the government is giving people who worked at Tim Hortons serving coffee. If you got laid off because of the pandemic, sure, we'll send you back to college. But if you've had if something traumatic, such as losing your eyesight quickly, or even a limb, or being into a wheelchair, or something else, even losing your hearing. <clears throat> Why wouldn't the government want to retrain us? Why are we being told to go sit on the couch and told to be retired? I don't think that's right. So after many phone calls, <laughs> CCRW was quite great, uh, wonderful and they were able to help me.
1: You can't just sit in front of the TV all day. You got to do something. Uh, the, the, the Canadian National Institute for Blindnesses or CNIB scholarship program even awarded you the e-sight for what's the e-sight for how's that made a huge difference in both your professional and personal life
2: personal life i would like to say thank you to e because the last time i saw my son's face he was just a young teenager i think about 13 or 14 when i won the e-sight his was the first sight, his face was the first sight that I saw again. And I know I'm a little bit um, emotional, but he was a young man, he was 20. <laughs> and I couldn't mm. believe how much he had changed. And um, that, that is something that's ingrained in my mind. I'll never forget. And I hope that everyone can experience something like that. Professionally, I'm able to connect it to my computer I'm also able to connect it to my Xbox so I can still game. Um, I have connected it to uh, to my cell phone so I can actually show my son when we go for walks and stuff what I'm actually looking at if he's not quite sure uh, what I'm trying to show him. But what I love about it connecting it with the computer is it's my computer screen right in front of me. Or I can use the e-site, um and my computer screen at the same time and kind of have like a dual mode going on. But it helps to uh, lessen the cognitive load, it helps me to sit up straighter, I'm not uh, straining my eyes, I'm not staring at the screen as long, I'm not leaning into the screen, which makes my back less sore, which is great too.
1: Now, when you get this certification, and you're going to go out and fix these apps, so they're more accessible. What are some of the shortcomings of these modern apps that you're going to fix? Oh,
2: there's a long line. <laughs> there's a long list. Just give so, me a one of, <laughs> so one of the things um, I would really like to do is, first, I don't like how much money we have to spend for these uh, software, um, for the accessible software that we that we get. I don't think we should be being 2000 and up for these things, because I think that really creates a huge financial barrier for everybody. If the internet is supposed to be fluid like water, why can't we all use it like everybody? <laughs> Shouldn't we all be on the same page? Um, so I think that the extensions and the browsers, I think they, and the mobile apps, I think they have um, not just uh, a need, but I think they have a right and, and that they, we have a right to expect from them to start making these things accessible for all of us so that we don't require these expensive pieces of equipment. And that's one thing I love about HTML is I can sit at home right now, look at source code, which is like the blueprint um, behind everything and in the instruction manual. And I can start recreating the stuff at home. And I've actually been taking Zoom text and I've been playing around with the program and I've been recreating the same functions that Zoom text does, but doing it in our browser. And it wouldn't cost us the same amount of money, which I probably Zoom text wouldn't want me to say that, but Why would we want to spend all kinds of money for these things?
1: So W3C, that's the World Web Consortium. It's the organization that creates the standards internationally for the web that they need to expand the accessibility guidelines to mobile apps from just browsers and websites. Why is there also that general misunderstanding of blindness and the typical obstacles that blind people encounter when it comes to the worldwide web?
2: I think the main thing is because we're not included. We're forgotten. Uh, if you look at UI or sorry, UX UI, it's it, it mainly focuses on human interaction with the, the design process. But if you're going to develop Program software devices for the visually impaired, why wouldn't you include people who are visually impaired or legally or legally blind from birth and there is also a huge difference between those who were born blind and those who are magnification users um, or or those who just lost their eyesight you know you I look at it as. Why wouldn't you stir the pot and ask everybody their opinion? Why would you just assume that it just is the same for everybody? And I really, really, sorry, I really believe no, it's, fine. It, it, it's not just WCAG and the mobile apps. It's also the devices. Every mobile device maker out there is different. They build everything different, so it's not just the web developers, or sorry, not just the I wouldn't say web developers, but app developers. Whoever is developing these the software apps, how can you create a standard if the device you're making the standards for none of them are the same?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to take some time uh, to increase those standards and make going on the internet itself even more accessible. But I think you're going to be a big help for changing that, Jacqueline. I really do. And, but let's talk a little bit about more about the employment. How did the employment support group known as Make a Change Canada give you a grant to turn your office, your home office into a fully accessible space for you when Staples, the famous office supply store, in North America wouldn't help you?
2: That's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. Um, so when the incident, I guess the first way to start that is, Make a Change Canada was the first organization I ran into when I lost my eyesight. At that time, I was really angry. I will admit it. I didn't understand why I was losing my eyesight I didn't understand why my world was changing so dramatically. And I was lashing at a lot of different people. Make a change gave me an outlet. I started with sewing in the dark, which was my hobby. I liked to sew. And it kind of was a comfort. And it gave me a chance to get my frustrations out. Once I was ready to progress, make a change Canada suggested that I take um, some web development courses, because I did have a natural curiosity for computers. And I enjoyed doing that. And they saw that I was pretty good at it. So they did offer me some money. Um, Well, they didn't give me cash. They said, please go to Staples and please go find some items that you would like to uh, get for your office so that we could make it accessible and we could make this an actual possibility for you. When I went to go visit Staples, I was with my guide. I did not have my guide dog at that time. Again, it was fairly early in uh, this whole beginning process for me. And when I went in with my guide, it was not a very good experience. Uh, It was at the beginning of the pandemic, literally. I was screamed at to stay six feet away from my guide, even though I had my white cane, black glasses. And we said several times, You know, I'm legally blind. We ended up leaving the store. Instead of turning this into a completely negative and horrible experience, I ended up writing uh, Staples. Now, granted, it did take them a while to get back to me. Thank you to Mobile Syrup for their help. With their help, Staples did get back to me. And what they did do is they invited me back to their store along with CNIB and and the come to work program. And they're now partnering and doing uh, stuff with CNIB. And they also donated a $1,000 in my name to CNIB. And we got to speak to all their staff regarding what it's like being blind, what it's like shopping in their store, using uh, a blind square uh, to shop around on our phones. And also, some suggestions like give us a QR code on their takes. We can't read the price takes, but if we had a QR code, we could scan it. We could see the information on our cell phones and we could make better decisions about the products that we were going to buy in their store. And that's kind of who I am. Instead of taking negative um, situations, frustrating situations, which I know all of us have been in, stop for the moment and let's look at the other side. At that moment, that person was very scared because of the pandemic. They didn't understand what I was going through at all. And all they knew was that they were trying to keep their employees safe. Fine. Staples was able to come back and they were able to help and learn. And they were able to educate their employees and bring in my guide dog at that time. And now there's a partnership with Staples and CNIB, which is great. And I think that's wonderful. Um, Make a Change Canada was able to fully outfit my uh, office at home with dual monitors. I was able to get a printer, a desk, ergonomical chair. Um, they even got me additional lighting that I never even originally thought of, uh, which was great. And the keyboard and mouse, everything that I needed. Um, I honestly couldn't have asked for more. And they really gave me the support, the confidence, and everything that I needed to become the person that I am now.
1: Jacqueline, we appreciate you speaking out and your efforts to create accessible mobile apps for the blind and visually impaired. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Before we go, listeners, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website that's speaking for the More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And my show archive is at speaking out for blind.pinecast.co. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out.
0: Remember BPI? Oh, yeah. Blind LGBT Pride International. They're a special interest affiliate of ACB.
2: Yes. They are the ones doing all these cool things at convention. Guess what they're up to now? Do tell. Their own show. It's called Pride Connection.
1: That's great. But what if I'm not a part of the LGBT community?
2: This is a show for everyone. Actually, non-LGBT and non-disabled folks are known as allies, and they are a huge portion of BPI's membership. Everyone is welcome.
0: So what kinds of topics can I expect from Pride Connection?
2: Fun and relevant topics for everyone, from blindness to LGBT education, technology to advocacy,
0: So when will Pride
2: Connection take place? Every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to tune in so we can all connect and learn while having fun. Pride Connection on On ACB ACB Radio Radio Mainstream.
1: Mainstream. You are listening to ACB Media 1, also known as Mainstream, the flagship of the ACB Media Network. The ACB Media Network is a service of the American Council of the Blind please visit us at acbradio.org.